Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, today we're going to be talking about some some darkness, but also some light. We're talking about the pain, the fear, the horror, the loss. These are just a few of the things that we might experience as darkness in our lives. And in all of these things, we experience the devastating reality of the darkness. These things cannot be minimized. They are real, and they have an impact on our lives. But is it possible that by experiencing these devastations, we're being driven to the light within us? Is it possible that the intention of the darkness is to drive us to the light within us? Well, that doesn't mean as many think that God or the gods have planned your loss, your pain, your fear, your horror, or that it's somehow God's will. But isn't it also possible that regardless of the cause of the suffering, that the suffering can be used to open us to the light within us? And if that is true, what is that light? Indeed, is there a light within us? During today's show, we're going to discover that light and discuss how we might guide ourselves through the darkness to that light. So stay here for all of it. You don't want to miss this. Well, so let's talk about the original darkness. Um, When we hear from the Old Testament of the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh that um, when in the beginning the earth was formless and void and there was no light. And that means everything was darkness. And yet we understand, if we, if we think back about that, we understand that that was a time when everything was sacred. So maybe there's some sacred in the darkness, at least some sacred, if not all sacred. Maybe the mystery has something valuable to give us. That's what we're going to talk about today. So what happened after the beginning was that we were created in oneness. We were created in the same image of the divine. So we learned from the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Bible. And we also learned from some of the ancient Eastern stories as well that we were created of the same essence as the divine. But then we also hear from the Christian Bible that we sinned, which I don't think that's what happened. I think that's a misinterpretation of what happened. Um, and from 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 the Jewish Tanakh also, but also uh, we also learned that there was something called duality uh, from the Eastern texts and from from our un, from a more mystical understanding of the of the Jewish Tanakh and the uh, Christian Bible. We learned that what really happened was that we began to believe that we were separate from the divine, and because we thought we were separate from the divine we began to act like we were separate from the divine. And that's where the concept of sin comes into play. We did some stupid things because we we thought we were separate from the divine. We thought we were here all alone and we thought we had to manage it ourselves and uh, we had had to have some kind of strategy to manage it. And we were stumbling around in our our darkness trying to manage that and we we did some real... um, inappropriate, ineffective, dangerous, harmful things in the process. And we're still doing that because we still believe in duality. 
So duality is is the uh, darkness that came over us after we after we were created here. However, you believe that happened. Duality means that I believe that I am separate from the divine, and the divine is separate from me. And then we add to that dualistic viewpoint by saying that we are separate from the divine because the divine is good and people are evil. And so there's this a widening of the gap. Uh, now it's not just that there's a, that the God is in his heaven where everything is right and we're down here on earth suffering, but it's because we're bad that we're suffering. Of course, that, that translation came to play because we could not make sense of our seeming separation from the divine. So we made it make sense. So in that process of understanding life, we came to believe that everything had, it was dual. I'm here on planet Earth separate from the divine, and I'm separate from other people, and I'm separate from animals, and I'm separate from things, and I'm separate from, from uh, 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 the air that I breathe and uh, the darkness and the light. I'm separate from all those things. And now, in order to understand that separation, we add the concept of good and evil to that separation. And we say to ourselves, well, everything must be either good or evil. So now, in our minds, everything is categorized in one of those two categories. It's either good or it's bad. And it can be extremely bad as in evil, or it can be extremely good as in holy. But either way, it's good or bad. Even our food is good or bad. You know, even the time we spend is good or bad. We look back on our day of uh, 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 after the day is over and we say, well, it was a good day or it was a bad day. Everything has been categorized into one of those dualistic categories. And we have done the same thing with the idea of light and darkness. The darkness is evil. The light is good. The darkness lies. The light tells the truth. And we've done that in our heads, even though there's nothing in the external world that would tell us that. The light is always shining. It's just that the earth revolves on its axis and and some parts of the earth move away from the light and then come back to the light and then move away from the light and then come back to the light and move away from the light and then come back to the light. That's what we call day and night. But when we look at the when we look at the terms darkness and light, we think of them as bad and good. The darkness is bad and, and the light is good. But what if they are one and the same? Now I know that's a mind stretch. I know that when I say that, everyone who's listening has a little bit of cognitive dissonance. Because we have believed for so long the darkness and the light were two very separate things that one is not they're different they're no different from each other they're very different from each other but actually if the light is always shining on planet earth let's just think about planet earth instead of the universe because the universe is just too big to conceptualize at this point but if the light if the light is always shining then there is no such thing as darkness it's just that we're in the shadow of the earth. When the earth spins the other way, when we move into the nighttime, it's because we're in the shadow. And shadows are made because the light is shining so hard on a solid object that the solid object makes a shadow underneath it. It is the solidness that creates the shadow. Not the dark. The dark didn't create itself 
uh, in on planet Earth. It does in outer space. There is a lot of darkness in outer space. It's just there. And then there's little pinpricks of light, various suns and various stars. But on planet Earth, which is where we live, uh, the, do- the nighttime is but a shadow. And it's created because the Earth is solid. And that is what happened to us once we were created. We were created originally in the same essence as the divine. But eventually we developed skin and bones and bodies. And as we did that, we began to have sense a shadow. We began to be also be able to, to, to put things away in our own shadow. The unconscious is what we call, Carl Jung called it, the shadow. The shadow is the unconscious. It's that part of us that we don't know about. It's that part of us that's in the darkness, so to speak. But it's, beca- it's created because we are solid now. We have bodies. We have form. So that's another thing that we think. Form and formlessness cannot be the same. The divine is formless. And we are form. Therefore, they cannot be the same. They're very different. But what quantum physics is teaching us now is that formlessness and form are the same thing. That because we're made up of form, we're made up of tiny, 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 tiny particles that are so tiny that they they are formless. They don't have a form. And so we can call them formlessness. But our whole body is made up of that, those tiny formless elements. And so formlessness and form are the same. They are not they are not dual. They're not in the duality. They are one and the same. So when we talk about duality, what we're talking about is there's a difference between the darkness and the light, the good and the bad, the form and the formless. Those things are separate and different. But what we discover when we discover the light within is that it's all the same thing. So what do I mean by the light within? The light within can be described as your authentic self. That's a psychological term that we can use for it, or we can call it, as the Bhagavad Gita uh, calls it, we can call it the divine self. According to Bhagavad Gita, the divine self is both God and man at the same time. It is the, the light in man, it is the light in the sky. It is the sun in the sky, it is the sun in man. It is the, uh, the, breath we, the air we breathe, it is the breath within us. It is all the same thing. It is the oneness of all. And so when we talk about uh, the light within us, what we're talking about is that, that divine essence we were created as originally. That divine essence we were created as originally is the light within us. The duality trance state that we all live in, the trance state where we all believe that we're separate from the divine and that we cannot be connected to the divine except through some kind of religious ritual or forgiveness or prayer. We cannot be connected to the divine except through those means. Then we we have not yet come to understand that we are divine beings living a human experience. I'm going to say that again. We are divine beings living a human experience. Now, again, I know that that creates all kinds of cognitive dissonance because we have been taught for so many centuries that we cannot possibly be divine beings because we're bad and the divine is good. 
And because we're in form, and the divine is in formlessness. Because we're down here, and the divine is up there. We've been taught that, and we have bought that hook, line, and sinker. And so it is very, very difficult for us to even conceptualize, mentally uh, conceptualize that we are one with the divine, that, that we are of the same essence, that we are the molecular structure of the divine, you might say. We are the tiny little quarks that live in the ocean of the divine. We are, we are one with the divine. We are the light within us. But it's very difficult for us to see this, both because we live in that trance state. We've been hypnotized into a trance state in which we believe that duality is all that there is. Because we live in that trance state, we, we believe that we cannot ever find that light within us. In fact, it's not within us at all. It's out there somewhere. Somewhere out there in the faraway ethers, maybe there's a little bit of light. And for a lot of people, that's not even there particularly during these difficult times when we have these multiple crises happening all at once in our collective worlds. We have COVID-19 happening. We have a political crisis happening. We have a lot of distrust in the government. We have, uh, we have been through an impeachment in the past year. We, have, uh, we still don't trust the government to respond to us appropriately. We have an economic crisis we have a racial crisis where there's just been one incident after another of police, police killing or injuring black men uh, uh, who are not doing anything wrong, or if they have done something wrong, it doesn't warrant them being shot at. Um, and now there's a lot of upheaval about that. The latest one was in Wisconsin just within this week. Uh, we also have a crisis with regard to uh, uh, the GLBT movement. So there are several transgendered women that are, are continually, slowly being mur- murdered one woman at a time. Um, we've had bombings over the past uh, several years of nightclubs that are LGBTQ uh, nightclubs. Um, we've had some uh, court, Supreme Court movements that say that uh, you can't discriminate against an employee because he's LGBTQ. Is that going to make that change? I don't know. But there's still an ongoing pressured movement that is very conscious in the minds of many of the evangelicals that are saying that um, LGBTQ people shouldn't be here. They, They just shouldn't exist. They're sinful and they should go away. So it's important to understand that uh, these crises have come upon us all at once now. And we are all living in the midst of these crises as a collective and as individuals. But is it possible? Is it possible that these crises have come to bring us to the divine light within us? Now, I want to reiterate that that doesn't mean these crises are God's will. There's so many people out there who will say, well, this was just God's will when something bad happens. And I've heard multiple people say to me that they wanted to smack somebody who said that to them at a funeral. Um, go up to somebody whose husband has just been killed in an automobile accident and you say, well, this was just God's will. God wanted to take him home. And it makes the person very, very angry because there's no empathy in that statement. There's no empathy in that statement. That statement smacks of some kind of um, denial that says, let's just pull this out of the realm of the real 
and deal with it in the realm of, of uh, the unreal. Let's pretend that there's a mean God up there who's taking people away from people because he's in the mood, because it's time for him to turn the lights off. Who knows why? I don't know that God. And I'm sorry for the people who do. That God's a mean God. So, I'm not saying here that that it's God's will that COVID-19 came nor that it's God's will that we have an economic crisis or a president who doesn't listen to us, who is not paying attention to the death uh, of almost 180,000 people. I'm I'm not saying that that's God's will. I am saying that regardless of the cause, it is possible that we can find the light within us because of these tragedies, these crises. That's what I'm saying. So let's forget about what caused it. We can put the blame later. But right now, what I want to say is that there is a light within us. I have found it. And I know many of you have found it from time to time, too, in our lives. We find it off and on throughout our lives. Something very meaningful happens and a spark goes off within us. And we go, that's real. That's meaningful. That's genuine. That was the light. And that can happen to us more and more over time as we walk through, not around, not under, not over, but through the darkness. And so, you know, we want to talk a little bit about that, about what it means to walk through the darkness. But for right now, what we need to understand is that there really is no distinct difference between darkness and light. The darkness within me is a a mystery that I haven't yet come to understand. But as time goes by and I walk through the experience, I come to understand that mystery more and more. And I come to maybe not intellectually understand it, but I come to understand it in my spirit. And and for that, I've, I've come into the light. And so there's not this distinction between darkness and light that says where there's darkness, there's no light, and where there's light, there's no darkness. That doesn't happen within us. There's a whole different world within us, and we're going to talk about that world in just a few minutes. So it's so what we want to get across today is that duality is a kind of darkness that keeps us believing that, that we are separate from the divine, and that we're not one with the divine, but we are one with the divine, and that's the truth, and that's the light within us, and that's what we're working toward by walking through a crisis. So we'll talk about this some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you ever feel that life is overwhelming and your thoughts are all over the place? Do you always think you need more but feel less satisfied no matter what? Are you looking for a little bit of clarity and peace and a whole lot of joy and playfulness? Join Jan Christensen and Marnix Powells as they reveal the secret of the human experience to help you find your magnificent mind. A Magnificent Mind airs Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the gift we can find in the darkness. And what we said thus far is that we have, from the beginning of our, the formation of our bodies, we have begun to see ourselves as separate from the divine. And I call that seeing a duality trance state. We have been hypnotized into believing that we are separate from the divine and we cannot connect with the divine except through some kind of religious ritual, joining some kind of church, saying some kind of specific prayer. And these things don't even unite us as one with the divine. They make us close to an external being that is divine, but we don't really get one with the divine. But according to Bhagavad Gita and other sacred Eastern texts, we are already one with the divine. We just don't know it. And actually, when you look at the root language of the Christian Bible and parts of the Jewish Tanakh, we find that same exact message. So in the more mystical versions of the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh, we see that we are also one with the divine. Jesus told us, you are gods. Um, But, you know, they accused him of blasphemy when he said that he was the son of God. And uh, so we, we, we are in such a dualistic uh, trance state that we, we, find it, we find other people who find themselves one with the divine to be obnoxious and have a messiah complex is what we call it. And maybe there are some people out there that really do have a, a, an insanity that is called a messiah complex. But that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about a deep, essential essence of being that knows itself to be one with the divine. That knows itself to be one with the divine. That is essence with, is within every one of us. And when we connect to it, we have deep mystical experiences that are described in, from every religion all over the world in very similar terms. These, these, are not, these are not just Christian. They're not just Jewish. They're not just Hindu. They're not just Buddhist. They're not... It's across the globe, regardless of religion, people have the same exact kind of mystical, spiritual experience, and it's always what they call unitive, which means it's an experience of oneness, this experience of recognizing that I am one with the divine, and the divine is one with me. That experience 
is the light within us. That experience lets us understand ourselves in a way that we have not previously understood ourselves. We are not separate beings who are living alone here on earth, striving to be good enough to arrive sometime off in the distant future in a place we call heaven. We are not down here experiencing negative karma so that we can get ourselves rid of negative karma and finally arrive at nirvana. We are already divine beings. The experiences of our lives are only meant to open us to the reality that we are divine beings. And that's what I want to say today. And so our, these, these, the, the gift in the darkness is that we can come to understand ourselves at a deeper level because of the darkness. And again, I want to repeat, that does not mean that God intended the darkness to happen. Duality intended the darkness to happen, that's for sure. Duality is a form of darkness, and it begets darkness. So, yes, because we live in a world where we think we're separate from the divine, we will repeat that dualistic trance state again and again throughout our lives until we begin to get it that there is light in the darkness always has been and always will be and the darkness and the light are one they're one and the same thing right here on planet earth i wrote a book uh, back in 2013 called inhabiting heaven now and in that book i describe uh, some of the old biblical texts and how they've been uh, misused to say that we're not one with the divine and how when we look at the root language, it does inform us that we actually are one with the divine. Um, so if you're curious about where I came by this from the Christian perspective, you can read that book. Um, but from uh, other Eastern perspectives, it is just uh, easily understood that we, are, we, ha- we have what's called a divine self. And that divine self is the essence of the divine within us that is also within everyone and everything else. Um, so... That is the light that I'm talking about, coming to understand ourselves as one with the divine. I want to tell you just a few stories of my own life that uh, brought me to some places where I began to understand myself as a a person who is uh, of the light. Um, When I was younger, I had some toxic parents. Um, They were abusive in a couple of different ways. And, um, and I grew up believing that I was somehow supposed to be stronger and be a savior for, for, for the people in my family. Um, I used to get in between people when they were fighting and try to make them stop. It's not a smart position to put yourself in, but that's what I did. Um, and so that's, that's part of how I grew up, just real briefly. But uh, when I got married, I married someone who was very much like uh, one of my parents who was rather cold and indifferent and um, and um, could not mirror me at all, could not mirror me. And so what I mean what I mean by mirroring is that if if I'm looking at you, I see you. I don't see some projection of my own that I've plastered on top of you. I see the real you, and I can show you that I see the real you. That's mirroring. When I show you that I see the real you, that's mirroring. And um, my, my mother was incapable of that. She did not know how to mirror. And that's probably because she had her own wounds be- to go through. So I don't say this because I'm, uh, I'm, I've long ago forgiven my mother 
but I, I, I say this to tell the story here. Um, so she had her own wounds and was unable to mirror me. And so I married a man who was very much like that, unable to mirror, very cold, very distant, very uh, stuck in his own stuff. And that was because of his own woundedness. And, uh, and I've also long ago forgiven him. And, uh, but uh, I stayed married to him for about 13 years. And I used to look back at that period of time and say that was a mistake. I used to tell myself that I made a mistake by marrying him. But now I look back on that very differently because I can see it through the light. I look back on that now as the gift that he gave me. The gift that he gave me was 13 years of absolute safety. I could not have uh, been with anybody who provided me with more safety. He was somebody who would never hit me. He was somebody who would never go to the bars. He was somebody who would never uh, gamble, as my father did. He was somebody who wouldn't ever uh, drink, as my father was an alcoholic. He was, he was somebody who uh, was, was um, just incapable of doing any of those things. And so for, for 13 years, I had enough safety to begin to find myself. And that is exactly what I did. I began researching the Bible. I began researching some psychology books. I had two beautiful children that helped me look at myself more as well because raising children helps you look at yourself. Um, if you read any of Shafali Sabari's works about parenting, you know that one of the central jobs of our children is to help grow up the parents. <laughs> and that is because that's what they do. They make us look at ourselves. They make us look at our lives. And, they, and, they, and they, so my children did that as well. And uh, so when I left him, when I left my husband, I was a very, very different person than the person I was when I married him. I was a very shy, very immature, very um, uh, lost, very wounded little girl when I married him. And when I came out of that relationship, I was much more uh, assertive, much more aware of who I was, much more uh, in love with life, much more assured that I had a place to be here on earth and where I was allowed to be. One of the things that transpersonal uh, psychologists say, and I, uh, and I am a therapist who practices transpersonal therapy, one of the things they say is that when we are when we are raised by toxic parents who can't mirror us, we have a sense of non-being. We're not really here. We don't really believe that we're here. And, and that is true. That is, I have experienced that myself. But when I came out of that marriage, I was much more aware that I was, that I was here, that I was real, that I belonged here. And that was because of the safety that my husband provided me. So I was very glad to be in, uh, a part of that relationship. That relationship did not work. We were not, either one of us, really in love with each other. And um, he is now happily married to someone else. And I am also, likewise, also married to someone else. So we are very happy now. But he, but that, that, uh, that was what was needed to happen. I needed to walk through that relationship and get to the other side of it because it gave me the safety. And I found that gift in that darkness. So then... Uh, I began to, uh, I've, I stayed at home and raised my children for about seven years, and then I started working for other people. 
And one of the jobs that I had later, about 10 or 15 years later, was a uh, job with, with for someone who I now deem to be a psychopath. Um, he was always trying to get away with the illegal things and enjoyed that process and thinking about how he could get away with it, that those legal, illegal things. And it turned out that I was in a position where I had to be the one to call him on his behavior. And that was always so scary for me to call somebody else on their behavior, anybody else, but especially a job, uh, uh, an employer who might fire me for standing up to him. Well, it turns out that I had to do that for about two years. I kept looking for another job and looking for another job and looking for another job and couldn't find one, couldn't find one, couldn't find one. And uh, But during that two years, what happened was I grew. I was terrified the entire time that he was going to fire me, and I didn't know what I was going to do because I was a single parent. And um, so I, uh, but I kept doing it because I just uh, felt that was the truest thing to do was to say, you know, this is this is what we need to do that's correct. We don't need to do illegal things. Plus, I felt that he would also, when he got caught doing something illegal, he'd just blame me for it. So I was also protecting myself. And... Um, that I look back on that time now as one of the most fruitful growth periods of my life because I had to grow up. I had to learn to be assertive. I had to learn to take responsibility for the truth. I had to learn to speak up even in the face of danger. And I was totally protected during that time. I did not get fired. I, I did not lose my job, I'll say it that way. Um, and I, cause I went straight from that job to another job and, um, and what, so ultimately I was protected the whole time, even though I was terrified the whole time. So it taught me that I was going to be protected by the divine and that I could find the light within myself by continuing to just go by that, go by that, go by that, not go by what I was afraid of, not go by what was the culture of the institution I was working for, not go by any of that, but rather go by the light within me. And I did, and I did, and I did, and I did, and I grew tremendously during that time. So ultimately what happened was I walked through the darkness and I came out the other side knowing myself at a deeper level. And I knew the divine at a deeper level because I had to trust in the divine every minute of every day in that job because I was terrified that I would lose my job. But every day, literally every day, there was something that that boss did that was illegal or uh, damaging to one of my employees, uh, and I really had to be the one to stand up. And so uh, it made me into a different person. And of course, since that time, I've had other losses and other things that have happened that have helped me grow tremendously I grew into myself more uh, through every one of those encounters that brought me into the darkness. Every time I look back now at the dark, a dark period in my life, I can find the light within it because there was a gift in that darkness. So what I'm challenging each of you to do is try to find the gift in your darkness. Think in terms of there's a gift here somewhere. You know that old story about the little boys, that the, two psych- the psychologists were testing two little boys, and they put one little boy in the room, and they uh, gave him lots and lots of toys to play with, and he 
would play with one toy for a few minutes and then run to another toy and play with that toy and run to another toy and play with that toy. And he just never could settle on one toy that he really liked. So they did that for about an hour and, and then, you know, uh, that was the end of the test. And then they put another little boy in the room with a pile of horse manure, right? And that's all that was there. There was no, there were no uh, toys. There was nothing. Now, this is not a true story. It's actually a metaphor. But so I don't want you to think a psychologist would actually stick a little boy in a room with a bunch of horse manure. But uh, the idea is that he was in the room with the with this horse manure, and he began to dig through that pile and dig through that pile and dig through that pile and dig through that pile. And finally, somebody came in and asked him what he was doing, and he said, "Well, I figure if there's this much manure in here, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere." So the moral of that story, and it is just a story, the moral of that story is there is a horse in your manure. <laughs> there is some light in your darkness. There is a gift for you in your darkness. There is a gift for us now in this collective darkness we're all going through. And I believe that that is that we are waking up. We are waking up to the ways that we've been blind and in denial of our own behavior with regard to racism and uh, misogyny and homophobia, uh, we are waking up to our uh, ideas uh, stuck, uh, inappropriate, ineffective ideas about gender identity. We are waking up to how our government has been cor- quietly corrupt in several different ways. And once we get back, if we get a government that is uh, much more appropriate, then what we'll do is uh, formulate laws to protect us so that this can't happen again. Uh, we we are. We're waking up to uh, uh, to the understanding that we need each other, that we love to hug each other, that we love to be collectively connected to each other. We're waking up to that in a way that uh, that can only be expressed by the by the fact that we feel such loss at not being able to get together with the people that we love because we're quarantined. Um, this is a time where we're waking up, and when it's over we're going to find ourselves much more woke than we have been previously. So uh, so there is a gift in this darkness. And so what I would say to you is, if you're feeling the pain, the fear, the horror, the loss of this collective darkness, look for the gift, because it's there. Look for the gift in you. Look for the gift in, in how it's going to change us as people, because it can and it will. What we're coming to terms with over and over and over again is we are one with the divine. We are one with the divine. We are one with the divine. And as we get closer and closer to that reality, that's when the earth is going to be able to, to join us in that oneness. And we're going to be able, this, this whole crisis of climate change is going to help us wake up about how we are one with the earth as well. So we're, it's very important for us to pay attention and see what we can find in this darkness. All right, we're going to come back right after this break uh, for a little bit more uh, with regard to finding the gift in the darkness. We're going to talk about walking through and how we can actually do the work of walking through the darkness. Again, not over, not under, not around, but through. We want to walk through the darkness. And when we do that, when we actually experience the darkness and let ourselves walk through it, we find that, that, that the light that shines for us so we can know the next step to take is a light that comes from within us. It doesn't come from outside of us. It comes from within us. Even if it comes, even if we get a message from outside of us, 
something inside of us resonates with that message and says, yeah, that's it, the right message. All right, so we'll be back in just a few minutes uh, right after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourselves, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back now talking today about the gift in the darkness. And what we've discovered so far is that um, there is something called the duality trance state that we developed early, early in our history where we began to believe that we were separate from the divine and that we could not be united with the divine except through some ritual or through some special prayer. And even then, we weren't really one with the divine. We were just um, connected, maybe loosely connected to the divine. And if we sinned, we might lose that connection again and have to re- reunite again. So, so um, that belief that we are separate from the divine is so ingrained in us that it is really, really hard for us to believe that we are one with the divine. And uh, in the Eastern world, it's a little bit easier because in the Eastern world, their texts plainly call the divine the divine self. So what they mean by that is that the divine is everywhere in everything and that we have uh, an essence essential uh, essentialness of our being that is divine and that piece is is uh, considered to be heresy by many of the more fundamentalist christians today and and uh, it's considered to be a threat and of the devil but i want to what i want to say to you is the light and the darkness are one they are one and the same thing the darkness uh, is a, a, a part of the mystery that created the light. In the beginning, there was only darkness, 
and that and from it the light came and from that darkness today the light comes to us when we walk through the darkness we we find the light within us so let's talk a little bit about how you walk through darkness well you know if you use the metaphor of literally walking through the darkness you think about having a flashlight or some kind of little light that's going to help you see the next step and then the next step and then the next step till you finally get to some place where there's more light um, that metaphor works, except that the flashlight is within you. So it's not outside of you. It's within you. And so that's how we walk through, by, by referencing the inner self, inner self, inner self, over and over and over and over and over again, until we get to that place where we go, oh, I can really trust that divine part of me to lead me. It will guide me. I can trust it. That's how we walk through the light. So there's lots of ways of dealing with darkness. We can drink a lot. We can use drugs a lot. We can have sex a lot. We can have eat a lot of food. We can do a lot of things that don't have anything whatsoever to do with uh, really finding the light within us. Those ways are trying to get over, under, around the darkness. They're not walking through the darkness. Um, we People who are, uh, I believe that people who use drugs one of the reasons, besides genetics, which is also one of the reasons, one of the reasons that they use drugs is to avoid having to walk through the darkness, um, to avoid having to deal with life on life's terms, to avoid having to take responsibility, to avoid having to look at painful things, to look at frightening things, so to avoid all that dark stuff on planet Earth and just fly above it. Just, I say, people who... Uh, are, uh, are addicted often have a deep desire to fly. They just don't want to have to be here on this planet and deal with life the way life is. It's just too hard. They just don't want to do it. And I understand that. There's been times in my life when I haven't wanted to do things too, so I, I can empathize with that from a very personal perspective. But And I think most of us can. I think most of us can understand a period of time in our lives when we look back and think, oh, yeah, that was so dark that I, I wasn't even really wanting to be here. There, uh, Many people have what's called suicidal ideations. They have fantasies of, of, of suicide. Some people actually have make a plan, and some people actually go through with it. And that's also very sad because that is, that is a way of saying this darkness is too much for me. I can't be here in it. And sometimes that darkness is just our own shame. Sometimes that darkness is, I feel so ashamed of who I am because my parents taught me that I'm not a good enough person. That old message is there in, in many of us that says that we have to, we're not worthy yet. We have, we're not good enough yet. And we can't ever get there. We keep making mistakes. We keep doing things that don't work. We, we, you know, and we're just not ever going to be good enough. So why bother? That's a very sad state of affairs. And, but walking through the darkness would say, okay, I feel that feeling of not wanting to be here. What is it that I want? I want peace. I want to not be so troubled all the time. Okay, well, let me look at that. So where is the peace within me? Can I find peace within me? Yes, we can find peace within us. We can meditate. And so very often when we meditate, we begin to feel little little increments of peace. And we begin to go, oh, there it is. There's the peace. I see it. It's in within me. It's right there inside me. I just have to meditate to find it now. 
And as we meditate more and more, we begin to understand that that peace can be found any time throughout a day. And uh, that, that, that understanding is very valid and very valuable. So I encourage meditation. I encourage self-soothing to walk through. What is it that calms you down, that soothes you? So some kinds of music soothe you and other kinds of music don't. Um, some kinds of physical activity soothe you and other kinds of physical activity don't. I, I always say, I t- talked to one person years ago who said she needed uh, some yogurt, a candle, a TV tray, and a blanket, and she was good. That soothed her to sit with her yogurt and candle with wrapped up in a blanket, and uh, I know she could put her yogurt down on the TV tray. That all, that little combination for her just really worked to calm her down, to soothe her, to bring her to some kind of level of peace. Um, self-soothing is very, very important tool to use to, to develop your own peace. Um, paying attention to your own inner desires. Now, I have to cl- clarify, by desire, I don't mean compulsion. A compulsion is I want another drink and I'm an alcoholic. A compulsion is I have to clean the house till my fingers are bloody because I, I have a fear of having a dirty house. Compulsion is, uh, you know, needing to rescue somebody all the time because you feel bored and empty if you're not rescuing somebody. Uh, those are compulsions. That's not desire. It may be said like I want to, but it's really not I want to. That's not a desire. It's a compulsion. Compensation is not uh, uh, a desire either. Compensation is I didn't have a, a good uh, a, a good childhood in terms of poverty. I was a very poor child, and there was a lot of shame and, and incrimination and um, bullying associated with my poverty. And so I'm never going through that again, and I'm going to become a doctor, a lawyer, or, or something that gets me lots of money. I'm going to become the next CEO of some big corporation so I can get lots of money, and then I won't ever have to go through that again. So it comes out in the form of I want to be the next CEO, but actually it's just compensation. It's not really a desire. It's not really a soul's desire. <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah. Ego aggrandizement is not desire either. Ego aggrandizement says, I want to be the next CEO of that corporation because it will pump me up. It'll make me an important person. It'll make me believe that I have some value on this planet. And while I do believe we all need to understand our own value, that ego aggrandizement doesn't usually get it for us. So those three things are not desire. Desire is a longing. It's a longing for something. And so I encourage people to practice using little desires, like I want a cup of tea instead of coffee, or I'd like to take a walk now, or my body is, is really uh, wanting to move now. Uh, let me get up and move. Uh, uh, or uh, I would like to listen to some music now, or I would like to change jobs now. I, I'm finding this job boring and empty, and I'm just not interested in it anymore. Um, I'd like to retire now. Those are all desires from the soul. And, and uh, so when you start fulfilling those desires, you are on the path of your divine essence. You are beginning to get into the zone, the flow, as some people call it, that is your divine essence. And so that is, that is part of how you walk through. What is it? Uh, here's the darkness all around me. What is it that I really want to do right now? 
What is that? And we begin to ask ourselves, what am I longing for right now? Let me see if I can get that for myself. At least I can start getting it for myself. Maybe I'll have to go back to school to get it for myself. But if I start on the path of getting it for myself, I'm much more likely to get it eventually. And being on the path means I'm already in the flow. I'm already in the zone. So paying attention to that inner urging. You know, so there's so many people who want to tell us what to do with our lives. I remember when I went to college, there was a, I had an advisor who told me that I needed to major in chemistry. Now, what you need to know is that my chemistry teacher in high school passed me for chemistry because he liked my older sister who had done well in chemistry. He remembered how well she did in chemistry, and he only passed me because of her, and he told me that. He took me out in the hallway and one day and said, I'm passing you because, because of your sister. And that's the only reason I passed chemistry. But this, this advisor told me that I needed to major in chemistry because I had passed a chemistry test that was questions like, what is H2O? You know, it was real simple little questions. And I passed it. I, uh, I must have excelled at it. But it was real simple questions. And... Uh, <laughs> And so she told me I needed to major in chemistry. And I argued with her and she kept telling me I was wrong. You know, you're wrong. You need, you need to take this talent and use it. You're, you're going to be headed in the wrong direction. Well, I am not a chemist, nor am I a mathematician. I am not that. That is not the orientation of my brain. My brain is counselor, poet, writer. That's, that's the way I'm a very right-brained person. So, uh, so she was wrong. But had I listened to her, I would have taken the wrong path. I knew not to listen to her, thank heavens, but, but I could have. I could have thought, well, she must be right. She's the teacher, but she wasn't right. And there are so many people out there who will tell you to take the wrong path. But if you're listening to yourself, you will more, much more likely take the path that is the truest for you to take. So I urge people to listen to that inner voice within them. And one of the best ways to begin to listen to that voice is through meditation. I also encourage people to use sacred writings to see what resonates with you. You might read a sacred writing and go, no, I don't really agree with that. And that's okay. That's your inner self saying, yeah, that's not really true for me. But you might read a sacred writing that is very profound and meaningful to you. And that will say, oh, here's a truth that I can rely on. Here's something that's very valid for me. I have a Zen calendar that I I look at every day. And some of the statements that the Zen calendar make, I just look at and go, scratch my head and go, I don't even know what that means. But other other times I look at it and and something very profound and meaningful is said and I, I resonate with it and I use it the whole day, all day long. I think off and on about that statement. So, uh, to be able to, to discern for yourself what is true and what is false for you. What that does is it gives you an internal authority. There's so many people out there who are telling us to listen to the external authority. The external authority knows what's right for you. And don't listen to that internal authority. There are literally even people out there who will tell you that if you listen to yourself, you might be listening to the devil. And That is so harmful and I think so spiritually abusive because what it basically is saying is that you can't trust you. You can only trust me. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what to do. And that's how cults are formed. That kind of thinking is how cults are formed. 
And there's so much of that going on right now in America and maybe even across the world where people are saying, I can't trust me. I have to listen to you. You're the one that understands the Bible. You're the one that understands this, the uh, Tanakh. You're the one that understands the Bhagavad Gita. You're the one that understands how it needs to be. You know, I don't know. I can't trust me. And what I'm saying to you is you have a light within you. You can trust it. You can trust that light within you. It will lead you according to its light. And if we begin to listen and resonate with that inner voice, we will begin to uh, become more authentic beings and live a more authentic life and live more closely united with the divine within us and feel that oneness, experience that oneness that is who we are. That oneness is who we are. We are divine beings having a human experience. I'll say that one more time. We are divine beings having a human experience. So that's it for today. Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself, the capital S on self. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.